This episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, managing the business of your church so you can focus on the ministry. Find out how at auxilio.partners slash five points. Welcome to the Five Points Church Planting Podcast. I'm Hunter Brewer, and my co-host is Josh Kynes, who's presently suffering in the heat and humidity of Louisiana. It's bad in Memphis as well, but I'm sure it's worse there. We are thrilled to be back. We took a break over the summer. Josh, my son, who's entering the seventh grade, I showed him a edited version of the Terminator. He's been wanting to watch it. And so I found one that was more PG 13 and he has not stopped saying I'm back with Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice, which is pretty funny coming from a very small seventh grade boy. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's been his thing the last week or two. And um, so it's good to say that we're back. I think the line is I'll be back, but uh, but don't don't correct your son. Let him let him roll right. with it. Let him roll Not with well, it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You can tell it's been many years since I've <laughs> That's right. seen the movie. Well, funny enough, I think I've I've gone back to, you know, play some of the classics from our childhood to some of my kids. And uh and I realized that I think I saw a lot of those as made for TV versions. Um, which probably nobody listening to this even knows anything about. And so I realized that there's a lot more in those movies than I realized language and scenes wise. So I've had to screen some of the old movies uh, before, before I watch it with my kids these days. Uh, I don't remember. I I know no doubt. I remember a couple of years ago, um, you know, firing up the Goonies, like I was going to show them an episode (laughs) of the Smurfs and, you know, just, just a few minutes into it, I was, Hey, I don't remember it, any of this from from my childhood, and <laughs> and um, you know, I called my mom and I was like, "You you guys are irresponsible parents. You just let me see whatever, whenever." And my dad reminded me, Hunter, more than likely, you you were watching the TV version of those oh, yeah. of those yeah. movies, and yeah. um, so my, my son literally last night came in and well, I guess just two nights ago, was asking if he could watch a movie from an old movie that we had watched once before. He got a kick out of. And I said, yeah, he said, I said, I wasn't ready. And he said, PG. And I told him they can watch PG with, uh, you know, you know, without us in the room or whatever. And he goes, dad, I think this is eighties PG though. <laughs> That's what he said to me. <laughs> and yeah, I, I said, all right, let me, let me think about it for a second. Yeah. And he was right. It was not appropriate for them to watch on their own. So oh, man, again, glad to be back. We have a lot of episodes in the queue and we're excited about, the rest of 2023 and 24, and we're looking forward to interviewing some great people and talking about some very interesting topics that hopefully will be helpful for church planners and pastors and people who are a part of church plants and Christians who just want to know more about what church multiplication is, uh, but secondarily, just about the church. And I've heard from many people who've noticed that we did take a break 
and I'm not even going to try to do Schwarzenegger's voice. I'm not great at impersonations. They're glad that we're coming back and they have, uh, but one of the things that I've noticed that most of them seem to be guys who are, uh, and women who are not intimately involved with church planting. They're just in the local church or they're pastoring the local church. Um, so it's been great to find out how this, how this podcast is helpful to believers of, of all stripes. So, Josh, we've talked about watching a PG 80s version of The Goonies. We've talked about Terminator. Um, another show that we've been watching uh, is Young Sheldon. And mm-hmm. my both my kids get a kick out of that and they think it's funny. And in one episode, there is a basically the episode is, revolves around a pyramid scheme where Sheldon's mom is selling, I think it's makeup products to ladies. And uh, speaking of my son, after the episode was over, he I could see the gears turning in his head, and he was he wants a new Xbox or PlayStation, and he was concocting a plan to get his friends to help him sell things at school so that he could earn uh, enough money to, to to buy it. And I had to quickly put the kibosh on any um, pyramid schemes w- <laughs> within a, the local middle school that my son was the mafioso ringleader, but. Uh, <laughs> You emailed me not too long ago about how church planning can often feel like a pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. And um, at first I laughed and thought, man, that, that Josh guy, he's been eating too much gumbo down there in Louisiana. <laughs> and then I thought about it more and realized that was that was right. There is a lot of truth to that. And so that's that's our topic today. Would you would you like to flesh out a little bit more uh, what you meant by that? Yeah, I mean, uh, getting started in church planning, you know, the first thing they tell you to do is networking. And what you find out real fast uh, as you start this networking process is that it's going to feel a whole lot like a a network. uh, I mean, a a church planning, I mean, a pyramid scheme. And so uh, you you end up meeting this person and that person. And when you run through your, I guess, reasonable list of names, then you find yourself going, uh, I'm going to meet this person. I'm going to ask them to tell me three people that I can meet from there. And then I'm going to ask those people to tell me three people that I can meet from there. And you find yourself uh, kind of wheeling and dealing along the way. Early on, I think it probably feels a little bit uh, like a sales pitch. But as you kind of find your stride and, you know, start, you know, buying into this vision that you have have been setting in ideals in your mind, but really beginning to see some some. Uh, traction with it, it it settles in a little bit but yeah early on it can it can surely feel like this this idea of networking all of the numbers and benchmarks that gurus will tell you you need to meet a lot of that stuff starts feeling especially in those early days a little bit like a pyramid scheme oh sure yeah i remember going to a conference before i ever planted my first church that you were a part of and they talked about this the networking and i remember my initial reaction was wow this this really feels like when i was in high school and i had to sell products for the athletic teams you know i played football i played basketball we had to sell things to earn money for the booster club and and i just thought i don't know that i want to do that like i was already uncomfortable with having to raise support going to people and having to raise support from individuals mm-hmm. and churches and then they're telling me, I've got to go meet the mayor. I've got to go meet the, the headmaster of a local elementary school. I need to yeah. 
drop in on Rotary Club and I just, my initial response, my initial reaction was, I really don't want to do this. I don't want any part of this. I don't want to have to give a canned presentation. I don't want to feel like I'm selling a product. Uh, this is gospel ministry. This is not Mary Kay. And then we get into, you know, I get into planting my first church and I realized I was doing it unintentionally. Uh, people were saying to me who were a part of the core group, you need to meet this person. They would like to know more. You need to meet this person. They simply want to pray for us. There's a lot of overlap with raising support and yep. people that you talk to who want to give, they will, they started saying, Hey, look, I know somebody that might be interested. And then I realized that this idea, this concept is very important. Um, yep. You are, and I've used this analogy before you're, you're dropping breadcrumbs throughout the community that hopefully will lead people to your church plant yep. or will cause believers who may be in their own church, great, good churches, great, glad they are, but that are, will pray for you. And mm -hmm. so network in particular, what Josh, wouldn't you say like the first two, three years is unbelievably important. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that three year mark is a lot of what I, you know, if I go back and remember some of the reading I was doing, kind of getting in, they tell you this first three years should just be um, just heavily focused on uh, making contacts and um, and pursuing gospel conversations with individuals uh, in the community. Um, that's a there's there's I guess there's factors to that, right? Like meeting people is you're right to to try to spell out the benefits of it. it I mean, it, it it has as much to do with trying to generate interest, but a lot of it's you're learning the culture where you live, and you're you're it's the primary way that you get to know your people. Um, even even more so than just the people who might attend your church, you get to know your your parish, if you will, or um, uh, those in your direct community uh, that you will be serving, even if um, you know as the church from from the outside in. Um, you, you know, it, it's, it's a way to learn your culture. It's a way to meet people in the area. Uh, it, it's a way to gain partners. Um, I mean, I, a lot of, I have a lot of strong relationships here in Lafayette that are local leaders and individuals that are already involved in their churches, but they love what we're doing and support what we're doing and, uh, pray for us. And, and we've, uh, we've gotten a lot of support checks and things from, from local leaders around the area, just wanting to, let us know that they believe in what we're doing and want us to keep going as well. So there's a, it's a, a big piece of that is uh, just, ne you know, understanding networking is, is not a sales pitch for your, for your ministry, but it's the way you press into the community where you are and, um, and get to know uh, individuals and folks that may not even need the church, but want to see what you're doing succeed and thrive. So, and I think secondarily, the thing you mentioned about its connection to, support raising is is an important one to note for you know church planners starting out there is a sense in which you it's such a, a road to get to the place where you're ready to start the church and you feel like you've already had to do the the sales pitch thing trying to sell your vision to people to raise money and and then you turn around and they said all right now how do we get launched and like you're like well you go sell yourself to another group of people and uh, you you, you want to kind of prepare yourself for what can 
if you're if you're if you don't have a the if you don't frame it right in your heart and mind, what can kind of lead to some early kind of frustrations or burnout or 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 just you know feelings of uneasiness over the nature in which you just feel like you're constantly selling something for that first couple of years. Uh, you really just understand the benefits, distinctions, and necessity of, of that opportunity and uh, in, in, in partnering, bringing people into and partnering with you in this task, even if it's not part of the church, but to pray for support in that way and then and be a part of what God's doing in the broader vision. Um, yeah, just absolutely. Think through. When you first move to an area as a church planner, you you want to network. You want to create a list of people that you need to talk to. And when I did this the first time around, I realized that people were genuinely interested, willing to meet with me, and on some level fascinated by the fact that you're doing what? You're starting a church? I've never thought about the fact that churches need to be started Aren't there plenty of churches? I can't tell you how many I've been, how many times I've been asked that. Aren't there plenty of churches? And it's given me the opportunity to explain why we moved here, why we need more churches, why church planning is important. And I can't think of a single interaction that was negative. And in fact, in many cases, now, word of caution here, you don't really see immediate results. I don't know what your experience was in Louisiana, Josh, but it seemed like the payoff came far down the road. We would have people show up at the church that would say, look, we needed to be in church or we moved to town and we know so-and-so and they met with you and they felt like, your new church would be a good fit for us. I can't tell you how many times those conversations have taken place. But Josh, I did think on some level, is this something that's just part of the fabric of being in the Deep South? You know, the first church plant was in a suburb of Jackson, Mississippi. The second, the one that I'm doing now is in a suburb of Memphis, Tennessee. Our denomination's General Assembly, which was this summer, I was talking to two different church planners, one in the Northeast and one out West. And the subject of networking came up really unintentionally. And they talked about how they were surprised at the interest people had who were not religious in what they were doing and were supportive, even though they said, I don't go to church is not my thing is kind of how they described it. Uh, people, non-religious people, I think, that are not you know, bitter towards the church or angry at the church, find the entrepreneurial aspect of what you're doing very, very interesting, uh, that you're stepping out in faith to do this. And I know that through the years I've met with people who perhaps are not engaged with the church, and they were fine meeting with me. Um, it's, it's different than saying, it really is, I believe. It's very different than saying I'm the pastor of established, steeple, first church, and I want to meet. I just think it's, for, for many different reasons, it's, it's different. Their response is different. Their reaction is different. Um, and it's been really helpful to me over the years. Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, we, we jokingly call this, uh, this particular episode the, you know, the, the church planner pyramid scheme. 
and and there's a kind of a negative connotation that that comes with but i mean i think what you're saying and i'm saying as well um what feels like that going in is more in your head than than reality because I, I agree i mean i you, you're right our situation is a little different when you know i got started mine quickly turned into a mega church and so networking was really easy after that um just thousands <laughs> were coming in droves and so now, I think most uh, realistic church planning, uh, my mine being not dissimilar to yours, is you get out and you, you're moving in and there's some uneasiness at first or some reticence or, or even maybe this kind of idea in the back of your head, you want to do it different, <laughs> but you find that you, you know, you quickly fall into to this kind of uh, untold pyramid scheme. But what you do, you find out really quick that people... Um, the conversations you have and what people understand about what you're doing and uh, the the entrepreneurial kind of spirit that that kind of goes with it is intriguing to people. If you're not, you know, trying to sell them hard day one on on the gospel, more just about a, a vision and a plan and the benefits of, of what you're doing and what you have done and things of that nature. People are generally believing and unbelieving alike, um, amenable to it and interested in what it looks like. Um it's it's a you know this idea of starting a church seems a little bit kooky because I think some people are used to seeing or or have some idea in their head of some little kind of a culture cultist uh, uh, upshot you know upstart kind of thing. But when you when they see the normalcy of who you are, the entrepreneurial spirit of how you you know you're you're pursuing things and, and wanting to engage people, I, yeah, I think there's 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 buy-in on on all levels. Josh, there, for me at least, there seems to be a difference between the people that you network with in the beginning, let's say the first three years of a church plant, and people that you engage with on a daily basis, like, for example, your neighbors, people that your children go to school with. Uh, there's a difference in those relationships. One seems to pay off more immediately. One seems to help more long-term what what has that been like for you do you think that's right yeah i really do uh you actually said it a uh, you know a few minutes ago when you were talking through some things the the kind of initial contacts to to compared to the long-term kind of relationships that you're building and you know i found that very much to be the case i mean there, there's a sense in which in those early days i mean you're meeting you're trying to meet every community leader and you know, significant voice uh, in the, you know, in the community, you know, you're visiting fire, you know, firemen with firemen and police chiefs and school principals, public officials, you want to find a way into your, you know, local area chamber of commerce or uh, a funny, funny joke on that. I, I think I might've shared this at one point in time on the podcast, but um, I was going around just trying to find out who can you introduce me to? Who else should I talk to? And everybody kept saying, you need to meet Lita. You need to meet Lita. You need to meet Lita. And everywhere I was going, they said, you need to you know, go check in and, and talk with Lita. And I was like, who is this Lita lady that is so seems to be so influential in the city and, and seems to be, why is there like the one person you go see? Is it some old lady who is the kind of town sage? And this is a, right. a good mid-sized metro city. So why is this Lita lady the, the person to go see? And so I finally just asked somebody, I'm like, who is Lita and why do I need 
to see her and they laughed and they say, no, it's the Lafayette Economic Development Authority. Um, it's the <laughs> it's the key place where a lot of like forward progress is happening in the community. And so I kept trying to figure out who is this leader lady, for goodness sakes. But mm-hmm. um, it, all of these kind of places you start trying to plug into. Honestly, I don't think a single solitary one of those probably kind of led to people coming to the church in any kind of way that I I could tangibly mark. Uh, there's probably some some intangible ways that, you know, second, third, and fourth hand kind of conversations with people. And their their kind of uh, external networking may have brought some folks to us in a roundabout way. But early on, I think that those early years, I, there's a part of me to look up going, was all of that necessary? But what I find is when you get to your, you know, two and three years in, you find that they have opened doors into the community, um, into um um, more opportunities to press into more kind of um, gathering places in the city or um, uh, hubs of community in, in the in the city. And, and you find that those initial contexts teach you a lot about the community and they get your name out there. And so people start kind of hearing about, you know, parish church, you know, our, you know the name of our church here. And, and, and so when you you go to start making contacts with other individuals, you find that they've heard your name somewhere along the way, or that there's something mm-hmm. familiar about what you're saying mm-hmm. that, that I think is actually really, really important. And it, it, it's, you, you have to measure this almost like a, a leap of faith in a sense that you, you just believe that networking is right and good. It's something that we church planners have been doing for, for quite a while now, and that you just have to hold to the fact that these are necessary steps that you might not be able to see the tangible results of, um, but that you believe and trust are, are the ways to kind of um, make inroads in the community, much like so yeah. much of our spiritual life. Um, yeah. We can't always see the reality of, you know, what our, how our prayers are answered, but we trust that they, that they are um, networking mm-hmm. sometimes can be the same exact thing in those early days. Yeah. It, when I moved on the field, for the first church plant, someone suggested to me, another church planner, hey, go meet with real commercial real estate agents and residential real estate agents. They know the community incredibly well. And so I met with a handful of them. It was, um, I didn't want to do it. Again, I was suspicious of selling myself, selling the church, and figured out quickly, hey, that was very helpful because particularly the residential real estate agents, they're on the front line of meeting people who are moving to town from other places. And one of them mentioned a new church meeting in the local school, and they had some connections to our denomination and they were unbelievably helpful and still a part of that church to this day. But another analogy to sort of explain what we're talking about, there was a commercial real estate agent that I met with and I just said, look, we're starting a new church and I need to better understand this community. And he was really intrigued by the fact that we were doing this. And he said, I've never thought about the fact that churches have to come from somewhere. And he, I think at the end of the day, he asked me more questions than I, than I asked him. And then about a year later, I ran into him at the grocery store and he said, hey, let's grab lunch. I enjoyed talking with you. And we did. And I want to say it was about an, another year passed and we met for a third time because at that point I did have some questions about land. We were looking at property in the area and then I didn't see him for a few more years. Well, long story short, he had a child 
was not in church, felt like something was missing in his life. And he said he just woke up one day and thought, you know, maybe what's missing is church. Maybe what's missing is faith, religion. And, hey, I like that guy that was starting that church. He seemed to be somewhat solid. And he walked through the doors. Mm-hmm. And that's, a for me, a great example of how the networking that we're talking about I think the main purpose is, as a church planner, you really need to get to know your community. You really need to get to know the ebb and the flow. You need to have a solid understanding of what your area is all about. And it does help to get your name out, of course. Uh, but the the payoff, and that's probably a, a terrible description, but I think in most cases, the payoff comes years later. So that's all I think super helpful. I, I think, um, you know, much of what we've been talking about up to this point has been, you know, kind of selling people on, you know, it is a it is, it is a beautifully necessary part of the equation. Uh, if it feels like a pyramid scheme, just let it go. Uh, pursue it by faith. Trust that that it's a it's a tried and right. true way of knowing your community, engaging it well. Maybe we could shift a little bit and talk through some just some tangible, some tangible, practical things that might help some of our listeners just think about what, what does networking look like? What are some, uh, some best practices maybe that you have pursued Hunter or things that you have seen effective, helpful, or what are ways that you've pursued networking, uh, and a couple of church, you know, stints at church planning you've, you've had at this point and what has changed between your first one and your second? Yeah. I, well, I would say the first go around, you know, a solid A, if you were to give me a grade, a solid A, the, the, we had two, you know, Josh, you know, this, we had really two mother churches that were helping us start and start the church, the church plant. And I was afforded a good bit of time to, to do what we've been talking about networking. And the second time around, I would say my grade is a D minus because it, we started this church during COVID. Mm-hmm. And so for a year, nobody was, it felt like a year, nobody was coming out of their house. And then after that, everyone was wearing a mask. Yeah. And it really made that time period where you early on are doing networking extremely hard. And right now, you know, if you ask me what are, what is one of the things that you're wrestling with as a church planner, how do you circle back around and do that? And should you? Yeah, I, I think I should. Mm-hmm. But I'm. It's really challenging. Now we've grown to such a size that we're a church plant, but we're also a small church, and I'm pulled in so many different directions that. I really feel the significance and importance of going and doing the networking that I missed because of COVID, but it's hard to find carve out the time to do it. I'll answer your question with a question in terms of networking. Who do you like to set your sights on when you 
move to a community and you start this process, who are you looking at meeting with? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think, I think you kind of, you want to kind of start from the, from the top down um, just to, because what you're, if, if networking is really trying to meet the most people, you, you want to kind of, you know, you probably want to talk to the people who know the most people and um, who have, you know, longstanding connections in the community, who have a voice in the community. And so, you know, you want to kind of think through public officials um, are kind of where I end up starting police chiefs, firemen, school principals, um, you know, area representatives, things of that nature. Um, kind of get chamber of commerce. Local, yeah. Local area, you know, civic organizations like the chamber of commerce. And, uh, and if somebody tells you there's one lady in town um, <laughs> that knows everything, you might want to flesh out those letters and see if it spells something. But uh, you know, for us, it was the La Lafayette economic development authority. They, they do a lot of work in the community and are well-known and well-established. Um, one of Katie is our chamber of commerce that we, I got to know some folks there. A lot of times your chamber of commerce will have some, some, uh, groups or things that meet they have like some young business leaders type thing that meet for like a quarter at a time and you can jump right. in and just do it for a quarter there's um you know influential leaders of acadiana is one of the things that they they did here that, that that i was a part of to meet and get to know some people so just trying to meet some people in that vein because those are people that can introduce you to 50 other people and and you begin to kind of work down from there um in that, in that vein. And, uh, so I, I would say I start, I started there and then, um, little by little people began to, to give me other people and, you know, I'd be a little bit more careful than just saying, can you give me three other people I can talk to? Um, yeah, but, uh, just say to them, you know, as you talk with them, finding ways to, you know, non-intrusively and not, you know, salesmanly, um, just say, Hey, are there, you know, do you, do you know of anybody who's looking for a church mm -hmm. or who's, um, at a place in life, you know, that, that, uh, is looking for X, Y, Z or, or more people that you think I could talk to just to yeah. get to know this community better and to, yeah. you know, those kind of things. Um, yep. I would add, I would add, uh, local pastors, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, sadly, some feel threatened to buy a church plant. Yeah. Um, that's just the reality. It's unfortunate. But there are many who are kingdom-minded and welcoming. And, you know, over the years, uh, they have been really insightful and really helpful. Uh, in fact, there's a, a pastor here in Carterville that, you know, pointed a couple in our direction. And he said, look, we're not quite what you need theologically and perhaps from an ecclesiastical perspective, but I know the church that you're wanting or desiring, you know, and pointed them in our direction. Josh, I'll, as we close out, I'll add, you know, we have a lot of pastors of steepled established churches that listen to this podcast. And one of the mistakes that, that I've seen many non-church planning pastors make over the years is they don't take the time to do this mm -hmm. when they move to a church and they move to a community. And, and I understand why, I mean, they walk into their study and they have a church directory. They have people with problems and they have people with issues. They have beacons that want them to address topics and they have elders that needed that need to meet and, and handle issues, and they're quickly overwhelmed. Uh, and so perhaps it would be a good idea if you're a pastor 
and you're transitioning to another church to, to make it very clear to the elders, I need, I, I need a period of time to go from the shallow end of the pool to the deep end of the pool. And part of that is I need to take the time to learn this community beyond the church. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's pretty significant. And I see time after time, pastors make that mistake. They don't do it. And then they look up and then they make comments to me, you know, I wish I had the freedom. I wish I had the the opportunity like you guys do as church planners to get out in the community and get to know it and to meet people. And, you know, I've told many of them, listen, the time to do that is when you first transition to that new church. Um, but if you are, if you've been at a church for some time, and you feel like perhaps your church is not growing or it's stagnant, and you feel like the only people that you know are those who are within your congregation, you know, perhaps it's time to think about what does it mean not only to be evangelistic, but what does it mean to to network, to get out in the community, to get to know people, to be the face of my church in my town. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point because I was just thinking about that when you said it before. Should I, should I, you know, try to restart it now with all the challenges of, you know, a growing church has on, on your schedule now? And I, I will just tell you, there's just been a lot of people that I have met um, in the latter years of this plant. So first three years, four years, it was one thing, but then these latter, you know, past three years, just a lot of people who have come to me and said, um, "Hey, I, you know." Uh, I I heard from so and so, or I, I I talked to somebody down at Lita, and, or whatever the case may be, that mm-hmm. the y'all are here and y'all really care about this community, and that y'all are here to make a difference in in, in the area, and 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 then and I've gotten involved in some some organizations, um, some community development organizations I sit on the board of, and some other ministry stuff in town that I'm invested in that that they just believe that we're here to 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 be a part of this community and to be a part of the larger community thing. We're not just an outpost trying to set up our shop and this and networking is what a, a afforded those inroads and afforded a sense that people, however much they may not want to be a part of our church, never intend to be a part of it. They do buy into the fact that you believe in their, their city um, and that you're not just there trying to do your own thing. And that's a, I, I look, I just think it's a huge thing. And whether you're, you know, 20 years in or, or, you know, two months in, um, coming in initially at two months and networking that way is important. But in 20 years, going back and saying, Hey, look, I feel like we have as a church have just been in this community, but not, you know, tapping into the vein of, of the needs of this community. Can you tell me where the needs are? Can you tell me how we can love and serve better? Can you tell me, you know, humbling yourselves, um, and, and, and re-engaging that network process, I think would go a long way. Um, Read a church planning book. Look, they'll tell you all kinds of things. 200 contacts and 50 gospel conversations in a month. That's why, you know, mm-hmm. popular kind of numbers that they'll give you. They'll talk to you about having invite cards and direct mailings and, and radio spots that you pay for, getting T-shirts made and making sure your people are wearing them and making sure, right. you know, there's Facebook ads and Instagram reels and uh, having block parties in the community that's just wide open to the community that's loving them. Hunter, Hunter you've done that there. Um, yeah. yeah. Participating. And it can, honestly, it can all seem like too much, Yeah, but, but doing something is better yeah. than doing nothing. That's right. 
Well, Josh, it was good catching up, and it's great to be back. If you want to try your impersonation of Arnold Schwarzenegger, here's your opportunity. Otherwise, um, look forward to talking to you soon. Looking forward to it, guys. See you all again soon. I'm going to leave Arnold Schwarzenegger to Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's the last word for now. You can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter or Facebook at Five Points Planting or by email at reformplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Five Points Church Planting is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters.